Let me ask you a warm-up question. All right, you ready? This is an easy one. This is an easy one. What's the best part of going to church? I know there's so many good answers. People, people. God's presence. The stories. The wisdom, worship. The preacher, thank you, thank you. God is smiling upon you, <laughs> Mr. Pewter. Uh, yeah, anybody else got another one? That kind of that seals it right there. I mean, no need to go further. What about the preacher, though? I mean, <laughs> just pick a favorite quality. Nice haircut, nice haircut yeah. <laughs> My humility. Thank you. Uh, all great answers, you know, and I think, you know, the best, the best part of going to church is like whatever gets you to church. Um, uh, but, but implicit in that, uh, in that conceit is, is uh, a presumption that if you get to church, something happens, right? If you get to church, uh, something godly will happen. And if something godly is going to happen, who's the best person to do something godly? Yeah, I'm going to go with God. I'm going to go with God on that one. Um, and, and, and I think the, the answer to the question, what's the best part about going to church? I think the answer ought to be, well, interacting with God. You know, God is the best part of going to church. Like, if that's, if that's on the menu, that's the one that I'm picking every Sunday, no matter how great my haircut is. It's like, well, I, I would really like to meet with the living God. And we use that phrase, living God. God alive, dead. Active, vacationing. Yeah, he's not a vacated God. Um, and, and I got really excited about church in my life when I was younger when I discovered that you could go to church and interact with the presence of God in the here and now. We call that manifestation of God, the Holy Spirit, and that's what excites me most. There are other good things about going to church. There's a lot that a good church meeting can accomplish, but given the opportunity, meeting with God is always the best part. Amen? It ought to be anyway. Uh, the the presence of God interacting with people, that's good for seekers, that's good for people who are just checking God out, who don't even know if they believe in God yet, because if you have an encounter with the activity of the Holy Spirit, well, that's, that's revelatory. I mean, that really helps you in your seeking, that really helps you on your journey. So it's fantastic in that sense, but it's good for, for veterans of the faith journey as well, because if you interact with God, what's going to happen? Well, at the very least, you're going to get guidance for the future of your journey. He is going to shepherd you. He is going to lead you. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, I, I do not leave you as orphans, for when I go, you know, the Father will send a helper, the Holy Spirit, that we're never supposed to be without God's presence and guidance in this life. And so I think the goal of, of any church meeting is to make it easier for groups of people to meet God. Not to make it easier for groups of people to learn about God, although that's helpful. Uh, not to 
really facilitate relationships among individuals and groups of people, although that's dang near a necessity in this life. But the main goal is really to uh, facilitate groups of people interacting with God together and to unleash all of the richness that that brings. The only question is, how should a church do that? How should a church facilitate people interacting directly with God? And I don't know that there's one proper answer to that question, but I do know that it's the question. That's the question. And, and you can try different things at, at different times. I, do, I don't want to be fake about the way we go about it, though. You know, there's sort of a, there's sort of a fake option that, that churches could do. It's like, um, I'm not sure I can get you to meet directly with God and to interact directly with God, so here's what I'll do instead. I'll try to give you the feeling of having interacted with God. I will manipulate you a little bit uh, with a really inspirational music or um, you know, trappings that make you feel like you're in a sacred space. And those are good things. We use music. We use trappings. Well, we have a curtain. We have a curtain. Uh, I don't know if it's a sacred curtain. Um, but that, that's one way uh, to go about doing it. I think group think exercises are another way to kind of manipulate people into feeling like they've interacted with God. Let's all agree on something really, really hard, and then you go away kind of feeling, I don't know what that is, a rush of unity or certainty that is uh, at least a substitute for interacting with, with the living God. But then, then there's kind of like the real option, real options, I should say, uh, which are things that, that I prefer. The only thing is it's harder to control. Here's what you do. You invite God and you see what happens. That's real in any case. If God is alive, then you kind of invite his presence into the space, into the group, and you kind of see what God does. If you're going to do that, then one of the things you have to be good at is following God's lead in that situation, which is to say that you have to hear from God in that moment. If you want God to do something in your midst, then you need to tune in and hear what the Lord is saying. Um, and now, now you're interacting. <clears throat> you're letting God speak for himself, which on our side amounts to giving God space to speak and giving ourselves space to listen really hard to see if we can pick his voice out of the context of our lives and our life together. And it turns out that this is exactly what the Bible recommends that churches do. Um, there's a little scripture uh, in your program. It'll be up here on the big board. It's a, it's a scripture well known to many of us. It comes from one of the epistles in the Bible. An epistle is just a letter written by one of the early church leaders to a bunch of churches in their region. Uh, and this is uh, from the, the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, his first letter from chapter 14. And Paul is giving the Corinthian church advice on how to run church meetings, essentially. This is a very practical, you know, rules of the road sort of advice. Uh, and, and, uh, and he says this, uh, so what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. 
If anyone speaks in a tongue, if you don't know what that is, every once in a while the Holy Spirit gives people the ability to speak in a language that they themselves don't understand. And maybe somebody else will understand that language and it's, it's a neat revelation when it happens. We see it around here every once in a while. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God instead. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. A few comments on that, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the prophets up to speak, uh, following in obedience um, the scripture. The first thing I want to note about this passage is that the, the... The character of the type of church meeting it describes is what I call an all-play character. You guys, remember Trivial Pursuit? Anybody? You know, and there was that all-play category, and when you hit it, anybody in the circle could answer the question. Everybody gets to participate simultaneously. And the type of church meeting that the Apostle Paul recommended is an all-play church meeting. He said, hey, when you come together, everybody's going to have something. Somebody's going to have a hymn. Somebody's going to have a word of instruction. Somebody's going to have a a revelation, a prophetic revelation. Somebody else is going to be speaking in tongues in a way that can be interpreted, which will be revelatory to the the crew. A little earlier in this uh, section of Scripture, Paul mentions gifts of healing. You know, somebody's going to come and they're going to heal somebody. Somebody. Somebody's going to come and they're going to help somebody. Um, everybody gets to participate. Uh, we don't have an audience at church. We have, a, we have a team. You know, we have a family. Everybody ought to bring something. We have that phrase at Blue Water, you got to bring game. Did you bring game today? Did you bring game or did you just schlep in? Which is it? Turn to the person next to you and say, oh, I brought game. I I don't know what your game is going to be. Maybe you have a prophetic revelation for somebody. Maybe you just have a word of encouragement. Maybe you have a hug. Um, Maybe uh, you just want to pray for somebody. But everybody participates in blessing everybody else. And I I love that uh, about, about the design of the New Testament church. It means that you know, when Christians gather, I, I love what Malika was saying in that, at her church growing up, uh, she would just sit in, in the pew and the preacher would preach and then she'd leave feeling guilty. That was the routine. So there was, you know, one preacher who sort of pontificated and the rest of the people just sort of received in obedience and guilt. Uh, that is not the type of gathering. I mean, God bless that church and God bless those people, no judgment, but that's not the type of gathering that Paul recommends he recommends that you bring something and you see what happens. And if you want to keep church orderly, well, what it amounts to is being gracious with each other and taking turns when you speak and stuff like that. You know, there is never a blue water service in which I'm the only one who talks. Have you noticed that? There's never a blue water service in which I'm the only one who ministers. That would be terrible. As great as I am, that would be awful. 
Um, because Scripture makes clear that if Jesus is committed to anything, he's committed to making every individual life meaningful. He's committed to making every single person the partner, the minister that he or she was designed to be. Everybody has game, and so everybody brings game. And I don't know, if, if Blue Water Mission as a community is committed to, you know, to one aspect of the kingdom, it's is, is probably this, that we are a kingdom of, of ministers, uh, as Scripture says. Um, so you'll see that reflected. And then the second bit, the second point of, of the passage is, you know, note the role that prophecy plays here. Paul mentions that groups of prophets should speak in service. A few can speak one at a time. They need to be gracious with each other. They need to take turns. They, the, the ones who are listening need to weigh carefully what the other is saying and help each other interpret because it's easy to get a prophecy, hard to interpret it, and harder still to apply it correctly in life. So we help each other recognizing the gifts that each of us brings. And that's what we're going to exercise today.